Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to the Bundesliga show brought to you by Over the Bar. Uh, we're back uh, after the international break for our first match day review. Uh, so we're on to match day 28 now uh, as we are whistling down the numbers. The things are really starting to hot up um, at both ends of the table. Um, so I obviously hope everyone is well uh, if you're watching live or later on, um, of course. We are indeed in partnership with Bundesliga boxes. I've got my Tasmania number on this evening, uh, which uh, is obviously one of the many T-shirts that they have provided us um, throughout our partnership. Um, so if you want to go check out what they can maybe get you, go over to Bundesliga boxes on Twitter or on their, uh, on their new website. So make sure you go check them out and get yourself a mystery, authentic German T-shirt and much, much more. And of course, Please do, you know, drop us a like uh, on this video, comment along. Again, if you're watching on Twitter now, just jump over and say hello, whether it's to agree or disagree, or if you've got something you want to ask us, please do. And, of course, please do subscribe as we want to try and hit uh, that 500 marker by the end of the season. Um, so, yeah, enough with the admin. Uh, so, Mark, plenty to get through. Let's, let's get through some scores first of all, and then we'll go on to uh, Featured 4. Yeah, absolutely. So obviously it was another entertaining weekend, getting closer and closer to the end of the season now, aren't we, as we, we draw into the kind of final running. So let's have a look at the scores from week 28. So yeah, we started off on Friday, you know, I think most people had this down as a draw, but Union Berlin managed to get a, a rare win really since January, but an important win that pushes them back up towards the European places, winning 1-0 against FC Köln. Then, yeah, surprise, maybe nil-nil draw between Frankfurt and Furt. And obviously, Furt now, I think that's five or six clean sheets for them, which looked impossible early on in the season, didn't it? That's for sure. Leverkusen continuing their good form without uh, Florian Wurtz with a 2-1 win over Hertha Berlin. FC Bayern Munich with that 4-1 win over Freiburg as they tighten their grip on the title. Bolcom all but guaranteeing safety with a really good 2-1 win in Hoffenheim. The battle of the bottom, well, the relegation fighters really, Bielefeld and Stuttgart ended one all. RB Leipzig continue their improvement under Tedesco with a 4-1 win in Dortmund. Augsburg, you know, we always say they can get a win when they need it, and they did it again here at home to Wolfsburg, thrashing them really in the end, 3-0. Wow, yeah. And then, yeah, an entertaining game, actually, the last game of the weekend. It only ended one all between Gladbach and Mainz, but the, both keepers had really, really good games in that match in an entertaining one all draw. Okay, so without further ado, let's press on to the OTB's featured four. So, yeah, I mean, there were a lot of good games this weekend, another really entertaining weekend. Obviously, I think... As the season progresses to this stage now, we get more and more important games every weekend, don't we? I think this is always a stage, especially in the Bundesliga, which is always so tight, usually in the bottom four and also the top four as well. So, yeah, let's start with the that game in Baden-Württemberg between Hoffenheim and Bochum. Yeah, I mean, I think just about everyone would have predicted Hoffenheim to win this game, wouldn't they? I mean, obviously, they did miss a few players in their defeat at Hertha Berlin, which kind of like put them 
you know, I wouldn't say gave them an excuse, but a lot of people would have said it was a one-off, that 3-0 defeat against Hertha. But obviously, yeah, I mean, this is now a catastrophe, really. I mean, that was two games uh, Hoffenheim would have wanted to win, and now they find themselves, you know, really falling off the pace. If you look at the Bundesliga table, they're now in sixth place and four points behind RB Leipzig from two games that, you know, they should have been winning, really, let's be honest. As for the game, though, Bolkham, I just thought, were fantastic in the game, really. And no more than that man, Asano. The, um, you know, he, he only had one goal to his name, actually, before this game. He's kind of, you know, he's been getting more and more involved in the Bolkham's games in recent weeks. I think he missed an absolute sitter against Frankfurt, which would have put them 2-0 up a few weeks ago. But he made no mistake when he was sent through on goal after 28 minutes in this Sorry, not yeah, after 28 minutes. Yeah, I was right. Yeah, in this one, he, he calmly slotted past the goalkeeper Bauman for 1 0 to Bolkham. Then, yeah, just a few minutes after that, you know, you're thinking, I mean, what Hoffenheim's defense was doing at times in this game, they, they went out like ultra attacking, really, right from the start. They did miss a few chances through David Raum, the, the recently German capped international, by the way, who got a couple of games over the international weekend. He was really keen to get things running. Kramerich had a few chances as well, but it was actually Bolkham who should have made it 2 0. Absolutely no doubt about that. It was that man, uh, Pantelic, who went absolutely steaming through. Again, no Hoffenheim defender anywhere near him whatsoever. But he ended up, unfortunately, um, quite poorly, really, pulling his effort wide of Bauman's near post. You know, that would have been 2-0 at halftime, but it wasn't to be. It went in at 1-0. Then Rory, I think, a really entertaining second half as well in this one. Yeah, it was. Um, obviously, Hoffenheim wanted to come out and, and make amends of what they had produced in the first half for their fans. Uh, known as, well, one of the better teams at coming back uh, in terms of earning points in the league, Hoffenheim. Obviously, they managed to, you know, uh, recent memory stunning my boys Stuttgart late on to, to come back. And uh, it looked like they were on for a potential comeback when they managed to pull it back to Old, uh, old Square. Uh, as you mentioned, the man who was trying to make things happen uh, was obviously David Raum. Uh, he managed to get forward, getting on the end of a, well, a, a cross from Cramery, so that probably wasn't intended for him, but it fell to him on the edge of the area and he uh, took a touch out of his feet and quite simply uh, and, and calmly slotted into the top corner in front of uh, his, his now German uh, head coach, uh, Hansi Flick. So he was in the crowd to watch, you know, Raum and obviously a number of other players probably. Um, so that wouldn't have done him any harm at all. So very nice goal, making it 1-1. And you are obviously then expecting, you know, Hoffenheim to push forward, you know, put commit numbers. Uh, and that that is what they did. But unfortunately, it was to their downfall as they got caught out again, um, this time uh, from another long goal kick by Ryman. Smashed it upfield, you know, go up to Asano again, who was kind of one-on-one -on -one with um, the last man at Hoffenheim. I can't think who the defender was, but the defender for Hoffenheim makes a bit of a hash of it, falls on Grilich. his ass. It was Grilich, yeah. Right, yeah, and he he's then lost the duel. Asano through one-on-one, you know, get, gets into the area and puts it puts it past Bauman just about. I think Bauman got a bit onto it and it did kind of trickle into the net, but that's all that matters. So it made it 2-1. Um, and he did actually, in effect, complete his hat trick. But 
he had uh, that that goal unfortunately chalked off for a foul, um, chalked off for a foul in the build up. Um, and yeah, Hoffenheim weren't able to turn things around. And as you mentioned, what looked like a blip uh, in the first place in, in terms of obviously losing to Hertha, everyone thought, oh, you know, Hoffenheim aren't that side anymore. They're more consistent, you know. And lo and behold, yeah, two really big defeats, uh, not in terms of the scoreline. Well, obviously losing 3-0 to Hertha is not great. Uh, but then obviously losing at home to Bolcom was a real shock. Uh, but Bolcom are really adventurous. Um, and obviously they haven't travelled well and a lot of their success has been built playing at home and taking those points and, and kind of surviving that way. But I thought they were really, really good. Asano, you know, led the line really well. Um, he was well supported by all the other kind of players around him. Vimmer, again, I uh, thought was very good. Um, so, yeah. Very well earned uh, win for for Balkan. and I mean, obviously they, they probably could have been more. As you mentioned, the chance of Pantovic as well. Um, maybe he only likes scoring long range goals, which Balkan <laughs> actually. Uh, I think Balkan are third on the list of scoring long range efforts um, in in the Bundesliga this season. Obviously, Pantovic's long goal. Uh, was in the reverse fixture of this when Balkan won 2-0 um, when he scored from um, just before the halfway line, uh, breaking late on. So, yeah, big win for Balkan. You have to say that, you know, they're more than safe now, aren't they? Um, for me, 35 points, 10 wins. Um, you know, they've conceded fewer goals than Borussia Dortmund have. You know, they've genuinely played this season to perfection. Um, so I think they've played their first season back in the Bundesliga incredibly well and are a credit to themselves. So well done to them. Hoffenheim now obviously face a battle for, for European positions, let alone um, that Champions League place that looked potentially on the cards. Um, but yeah, entertaining game and Hoffenheim got a lot of work to do now. Yeah, and I mean, at the end of the game, we saw the celebrations from Thomas Rice and his coaching team as well. He realised that this was a massive win. I think you've got to remember also uh, this win came in reaction to that kind of scandalous incident, obviously before the international break as well, when the game was abandoned. Obviously, that game was given as a 2-0 win to Gladbach. But I think it was even more important, you know, that obviously they were able to celebrate that win because, you know, it, first of all, I agree with Rory 100% that that pretty much not quite mathematically guarantees them safety, but I mean, for me, they could probably lose every game now and still probably stay up, I would imagine, uh, considering that the goal difference is pretty good as well. You know, I, I think there was one kind of other controversial, slightly controversial moment in the game as well, just before the winner from Asano. I think Bebu was convinced that he should have had a penalty as well in this game. He went down and, um, you know... For me, it wasn't a penalty, but the Hoffenheim players were far from convinced. And I think, as you say, Riemann kind of booted it forward. And then I think the Hoffenheim players were also a bit cheesed off about the fact they didn't get a free kick on what they saw as a foul on Grillage as well. But mm -hmm. for me, I think the referee got it right. You know, you don't want to be seeing goals chalked off of fouls that soft, you know. And I think, you know, Asano was the man of the match in this game. He was absolutely brilliant all match. And yeah. They deserve the win, I thought, Bochum. There's no doubt about that. Okay, so let's swiftly move on to another side, unfancied side at the start of the season. You are starting to get close to achieving the goals as well, I think, Stan. And that is FC Augsburg, the Bavarians, you know. 
they have been very, very solid at home this season. We've got to say, you know, I mean, I think they've beaten a few teams. They obviously beat Bayern Munich early in the season. I think nobody really um, expected that, you know. And obviously, I think they got a point quite recently at home to Dortmund as well. I think they absolutely stuffed your boys uh, Stuttgart a few, maybe just before Christmas as well, Rory, putting four past them. And, you know, they are one of those sides that they're very much unfancied indeed. So quite surprisingly for me, started this game without Andre Hahn, who's probably been their player of the season, in all honesty. He's been very, yeah. very good. I, I'm not sure whether he had a knock, but he was on the bench and later came on for this game. But that surprised me a little bit. But that man, Pepe, uh, did start. Let's be honest, he's yet to kind of set the world alive by any means, really, Pepe. And I mean, but he, he is a signing for the future. And if they can stay in the Bundesliga this year, give him a full you know, pre-season, then we could see him kind of kick on next season. But yeah, I mean, this game just started in an absolutely brilliant fashion. You know, the ball kind of break into that man, Iago, and he just curled an absolute beauty into the top corner from the uh, left-hand side of the, the box. He's one of those players, Iago, isn't he, where he either produces like an assist to goal or gives a penalty away or produces yeah, a howler. Cap I mean, capable of the brilliant and the ridiculous yeah, at the same he time. Is. I mean, I remember at the beginning of the season, we were like like slating him on a regular basis, but then the last three or four games, he's been outstanding and this was no different as well. What a brilliant way to start a big game for them. I mean, brilliant goal. Great crowd in at Augsburg as well. Great to see some big crowds in back in Bavaria as well as the restrictions that continue to be eased. But yeah, the fans were really getting behind them as well. Fantastic atmosphere down there in Augsburg. And, you know, they, they continue to um, like to press. And I think that man, Reese Oxford, who's had a really good season for me as well, by the way, the former West Ham man, young English player, who you know is still only 23, 24, and he's still got time to... Uh, develop into a real top player as well. And he is showing signs that he's getting there as well under the uh, leadership of Marcus Vine. So, yeah, and he actually got clattered twice in that first half as well. And I remember the German commenter said it's uh, uh, Reese Ox Oxford's the uh, Rocky Balboa of the Bundesliga, he said. <laughs> yeah, because he, he, he keeps getting like knocked out and coming back up for more, you know. And what, what a brave performance this was. He could easily have asked for a sub after either of those two incidents, but he kept going and he finished the game out. You know, Wolfsburg continued to have a few half chances. Obviously, Schlager's back and he is absolutely key to them. And despite this result, he had a, another industrious performance. But, you know, obviously Wolfsburg, they had a couple of half chances, you know, in that first half, perhaps should have scored really to go in level, but they went down 1-0 at half time. Then, Rory, the second half was really Augsburg's, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Um, and yeah, fr frankly, they did play them off the park. One thing that I was picking up on a lot, um, particularly in the second half that I was able to watch um, live, was Wolfsburg's final kind of delivery in, in the final third was so bad um, for, you know, the the players that they have on on the pitch um, you'd expect a lot better uh, not being able to feed the ball into uh, Jonas Wind, who of course has made a really good start to life uh, as a Wolfsburg player. He was starved with the ball, really. Uh, and when he did get on the ball, he looked a threat, really, because um, obviously on the scoreline, it was 3 0 to Augsburg. It was, it was a comfortable win, and Augsburg did play really well. But Geekovic did have to make a couple of big saves uh, in the first half, fingers from the Metcher, where he should have probably done better. And then I think uh, Geekovic did well to keep a clean sheet late on with a few chances. Um, 
for for Vind and others. Um, but yeah, um, I think uh, at one point Max Arnold had to help out uh, his goalkeeper by heading a ball off the line before it went to two nil. Um, that was about two minutes before the second goal came, and and as you mentioned, Mark uh, Reese Oxford, who was still on the pitch. Flicked on a, an in-swinging corner, which was then obviously kind of also flicked home by the, the waiting Niederlechner. Uh, but it did have to go to VAR because at one point everyone was like, well, that's handball, so it, it's not going to be a goal. But on closer review, it looks like it hits his head, not his hand or his arm. Um, so I think that goal was rightly given unless I, you know, mistakenly not seen that. Um, but it looks like he hits his head, so that's 2-0. Um, and then the game is effectively finished off. Again, really nice build-up play, actually. Um, kind of led to uh, Niederlechner having the ball on the edge of the area. He tees up Pedersen, who strikes it really cleanly high uh, into the top corner. Obviously, 3-0 past Pervan in next. Obviously, they still don't have Castiles, Wolfsburg. Um, and as I mentioned, Gikovic was was tested toward the end of the game to make it either slightly nervy for the the home fans who are absolutely loving life. Um, but yeah, completely deserved. Uh, I can't believe you or me, Mark, ever, you know, dared to put <laughs> Alsborg in 17th place. I think it was back in back in uh, the summer when we we're doing our predictions. But they, they just know how to do it, don't they? Um, when to pull out performances. They still have that obviously really important game in hand, which they play on Wednesday night against Mines at home, I believe. Yeah. So and we know Mindstone travel well. If they can get that atmosphere going again, then who's to say that they won't get more points? And if they win again, then I'm not saying they're safe, but that will really obviously help them and, and put a lot more pressure on the likes of Wolfsburg and Stuttgart and Hertha and, and Bielefeld. Um, so, yeah, massive win in the context of the relegation race. As I mentioned, Wolfsburg are now being dragged into it again. Um yeah, I thought they were pretty dire in this game. If they're going to carry on playing like that, then they will be in, uh, you know, in a proper relegation race. Uh, I think they do play a couple of the relegation candidates as well, so there's some big games to come for them. Um, and if they don't pick up their game, they don't get that intensity in their play. Like you mentioned, Schlager was in there, industrious, but wasn't able to impact the game. Arnold obviously doing what he could, but yeah, it was a bad performance by Wolfsburg and they've been missing out on points, missing out on wins recently. And yeah, it could be interesting if they did get in a relegation battle after, uh, after everyone kind of thought they were safe again. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, definitely. I think on the back of this performance, like Augsburg look more like the, the mid table side, really, let's be honest. You know I mean? They are a side that I actually think they've been a little bit underrated at times under Marcus Weinzel this year. You know, I actually think he's a really good manager and he has improved them. He's especially at home. He's improved the style of play as well for me, based on compared to last season. I think, you know, I just think they've looked really good at times, especially at home. You know I mean? They, they really, they try to force games, you know. I mean, it, Augsburg are kind of one of those teams, even in Germany, that everyone thinks, you know, we, everyone should be beating Augsburg, you know. But on top of that, they have shown ambition as well this season. You know, they signed Nicholas Dorsch for like eight, nine million euros. And he yeah. hasn't quite been as good as what people thought, to be honest. That is the truth. But then obviously signing Pepe in, in the off-season, you know, for like what, uh, 18 million? I mean, nobody saw that kind of ambition. And for me, that has... 
you know, it's made the players there realise, you know, we're a serious club here, you know, and we better play like it. And I think they have been really good at times. Maybe the first probably 10 games, I think our predictions were like looking pretty comfortable, Rory, to yeah. be honest. But then since then, especially at home, they were like a real side. And we know that they can be solid defensively. And I think Reese Oxford is getting better every game, literally. This was one of his best games that I'd seen him in, both in terms of bravery and quality in both boxes, basically. Also, I can never say his name well, but Gouvelouve, yeah. It's, a, it's another player who, um, yeah, he's a Dutch isn't my best uh, language, but he's a player I've also liked. I quite like that partnership they've got there between them two. And I just think, basically for me, they've got to treat that game like a cup final against Mainz on Wednesday. If they can win that, then I don't see them going down with 32 points from 28 games. You know, I think they probably need one more win from there. And as you say, they've still got to play Furt and Herter at home. So one win from those two games, and for me, that's them safe, mm -hmm. basically. And I don't see them not getting it, especially with the home form recently. But at the same time, should they lose that game, you know, with Bayern Munich coming at the weekend, then all of a sudden you might be thinking, you know, it's not looking so rosy for them again. But I do think they'll stay up at the moment. As from what I've seen, I think they've got a good mixture of a little bit of quality, not like overburdened with quality, but they do have some quality through the middle. And, you know, a good manager. I really do like the manager. I just think they've got enough in them, enough fight and also experience, which is vital too at this stage of the season too retain the status in the Bundesliga ahead of into a 14th season, which is incredible for a club of their size. So over to you, Rory, to introduce our um, word of the week. Yeah, indeed. Uh, back with another Bundesliga glossary um, term. So obviously we're going through the alphabet, just trying to introduce some new words to you um, to share with your friends and family if you wanted to get more into the Bundesliga. So we're up to the letter H. Obviously, we won't go, we won't be able to finish the, the alphabet before the end of the season. Um, but we'll hopefully continue it into next season if people are enjoying it. So H this week we've got Herbstmeister. Um, so I, I'll have to check my pronunciation in a second with Mark, but basically that kind of translates into the, the mid-season. Uh, kind of leaders after you know obviously after match match week uh, seventeen before the teams go off onto their winter break a bit like where in the Premier League we kind of say the team who's the champions at Christmas and and things like that which people you know compare it like seeing how many teams go on to win the league from that position so Mark over to you uh, I think obviously the latter part of that word is fairly obvious how it translates but do you want to try and break that down for us a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, actually, herbs, the word herbst means uh, autumn, actually, in German. Yeah, so it literally means like autumn master, or the word Meister obviously moves into like champion or championship. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, so basically it just means autumn champion. That's the literal meaning of this. Yeah, but it, this is quite a big deal, actually, in Germany, you know, because obviously they have that, like, the German league is done a lot more, like, kind of, like, officially than the English league. Like, they literally play 17 games and then they play the next 17 games in the same order. So if you played, like, Furt in your first game, you'll also play them in your 18th game as well. So it's like, you know, the classic German organisation. In England, I think in no other league it works like that actually they just kind of randomly do it don't they like um, 
And I think, but I think, yeah, this is actually seen as a big deal, you know, uh, for to win this. But you know, obviously, from I'm not really sure whether I see it as a big deal, really, in some ways, because you know, often the team that leads a, um, the Herbstmeister doesn't go on to win the championship, because we all know that Bayern are famous in the second half of the season. You know, as as the likes of Dortmund, Leipzig, Schalke, and Leverkusen have found out many, many times in the past. You know. So, yeah, it is a big deal in Germany, but, yeah, it's uh, whether ultimately you don't win anything for being the Herbstmeister. So. Indeed, yeah, interesting word, though. Uh, obviously, another H we could have had was hin Hindrunde, which obviously is the, the opposite to Rookrunde, which yeah. Rookrunde is obviously the second part of the season. Hindrunde is just basically the first part of the season. So very similar to Herbstmeister, really, uh, in terms of the theme uh, that that is. Our word for the week. Um, just before we carry on with the countdown, Gary, uh, thank you very much for the question. And we completely agree that, you know, BVB have basically collapsed. It is essentially what we're going to talk about in the end of uh, end of show kind of talking point. So we will get right onto that once we have done the remaining two featured four games. So on with the countdown, Mark, back over to you. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, we're, we're going to conclude with yeah, a couple of big away wins here. Yeah, I mean, this was a game that, you know, it's one of them that I think the fact that Bayern played so well, specifically in the second half, shows the level of respect that they had for Freiburg before this game, you know, because obviously Freiburg have had an amazing season, um, you know, but this game was like a case of a step too far, really, in some ways, although they did keep it tight for long periods, you know, and Actually, the first half was a bit of a, I would go as far as saying it was a bit of a non-event, really, to yeah. be honest. The first half was as dull as proverbial dishwater, really, you know. And I think, obviously, the the only big news was the fact that Leon Goretzka uh, returned, obviously. Massive, massive uh, boost for Bayern going into the, the kind of end of the, the Bundesliga season. And also, obviously, the perhaps more importantly, the Champions League as well. I think it was like four months that he'd been out as well. So he'd missed the entire rug runder. Yeah. And yeah, obviously, the last 16 of the Champions League too. Obviously, one of their key players, absolute key players, that's for sure. But yeah, he had a, a header which was like relatively well saved, but I mean, not like outstandingly well saved, you know, by Flecken, obviously. But I just think, yeah, the first half was a bit of a non-event, really, to be honest. I can't really talk that much about what happened in that first stanza, really, you know. So over to Rory to take us through the second half. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, yeah, as you mentioned, but credit to Freiburg, obviously, in that regard, to keep it um, as a bit of a kind of, you know, a non-event, as you mentioned. Um, but yeah, the second half did really take off. Uh, just before the hour mark, um, a Kimmich free kick whipped in. And as you as you mentioned, Mark, the returning Leon Goretzka got himself on the end of it, beating the diving fleck into the ball one 0 I think there was quite a lot of um, <laughs> questioning onto the keeper fleck in there for his uh, for his effort to try and get get the ball. Uh, I think that's and that's off the back of fleck and recently getting a call up to the Dutch squad. I think it was uh, during the international breaks. So I don't know why it is sometimes with these players getting getting called up and then having stinkers directly after it. But yeah, he didn't cover himself in glory with that one. So that's one nil. But um, the game would turn back in uh, into being an all square one very soon. Super sub Nils Peterson came on. Um, I think he's on the pitch for like 18 seconds, something daft like that. Exchanged passes down the right wing uh, before carrying on his run. He was then teed up by Gunter uh, and whipped in a shot low past Neuer 
uh, to make it 1-1. Really nice finish on the run to make it, yeah, 1-1 after 63 minutes. Um, but then, you know, more subs had had to have a bit of a say. So 10 minutes le- uh, later on, so about 15 to go. Another sub this time, Serge Gnabry, um, profited from a bit of a slip from Nico Schlotterbeck, uh, which enabled him to control a cross from, um, from Hernandez, and he, he slammed it past Flecken to make it 2-1. And then very quickly after that, it was 3-1. Kingsley Coman um, collected a long pass from Upamecano and kind of just chanced his arm from, from not long range, but outside the area, and that beat Flecken in net. And for me, again, that's one that Flecken probably should have done better with, got it, got his hands to it. Um, and then on form, Flecken, I think, keeps that out. So that was 3-1, um, and more or less the kind of game was done. Um, but then... There was a, a late break from from Bayern, of which it led to a bit of a messy kind of goal scramble in which uh, Marcel Sabitzer, the, almost the forgotten man, uh, managed to get his, I think it's his first goal actually for Bayern, making it 4-1 in the end and probably a flat, flattering scoreline, but Freiburg can hold their, hand, their heads high after that. But um, one very interesting thing that's come out of the game uh, is not actually anything that happened in terms of the action was this, very peculiar spell where Bayern managed to end up for a brief period with 12 men on the pitch, um, to which obviously all kind of confusion was caused. I think they ended up with what, like 10 or 12 added on minutes because of the confusion, obviously, during which Bayern scored their fourth. Um, And yeah, it was very strange. And I've since seen today that Freiburg have lodged an official appeal against this obviously confusion or admin error, I suppose you call it. Um, so, Mark, do you know much more about that yourself? Um, I mean, the, the the hardest punishment is that Bayern would t- have the points taken off them, but do you think it would come to that? Yeah, I think it depends on who they give the blame to, really, because obviously I think obviously the officials have also got to take a certain element of blame as well for that, because obviously they're the ones that allow the players onto the pitch, you know. But I think, yeah, I do actually think there is a potential that they could uh, be facing a point deduction. Yeah, it's definitely possible because we did yep. see actually early in the season, right at the very, very beginning, back in the old days of Marco Van Bommel, actually, when he was at Wolfsburg. Yep. Obviously, in the cup game, they were actually ex- expelled from the cup. So mm-hmm. I, I actually think Bayern might be a little bit worried about this, to be honest with you. I don't know the exact number of minutes. Do you have the number of minutes that it actually uh, took? I don't, I don't know how long the 12th mm-hmm. man was on the pitch for, but... All I know is that it led to a long added on time because of yeah. the confusion. I didn't, I obviously I couldn't watch the game live myself, yeah. but yeah, yeah it, it was a very strange yeah. passage of play for sure. But I definitely think the first point is like whether they decide to be- blame the fourth officials or FC Bayern Munich. That's the first point, you know. But I mean, yeah, I, I guess the blame has to come down to both, really. I think Bayern also, they sh- they've also got to keep a track on how many players are on the damn pitch at the end of the day, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. But I think, obviously, the fourth official should also have known about this. So I'm not sure, really. But I definitely think there is an element, you know, that, that they could be a little bit worried because the Bundesliga have been known, or at least the DFB have been known, to kind of come down hard on this kind of uh, like misdemeanor, as, as we mentioned with Wolfsburg, were eventually, um, you know, expelled from the cup. They didn't even replay that game. They just expelled them from the cup. So, I mean, yeah, they might be a little bit worried that this result could be overturned, but 
to be honest, knowing, you know, the big club bias sometimes, you know, mm. they might just find a little excuse for Bayern Munich, you know. I wouldn't be surprised if they managed to do that, you know. I think if it was the other way around, I'd be more worried for Freiburg, you know, because I think we can't really deny that there is an element of big club bias in, in football, you know, and I think it's... Yeah. Uh, Everyone can admit that at times, you know. I say that as a, you know, as a Wigan fan and stuff, so, and also as a Nuremberg fan. So we don't know much about big club bias, that's for sure. But we've certainly seen it work against us, that's for sure. So <laughs> what, yeah, what's I mean, worrying I mean, is, is that Freiburg themselves have obviously had to lodge this, yeah, you know, report or, or you know, what, whatever you want to call it. But they they're the ones who have had to instigate this today. It's not like the DFB or in or the Bundesliga, like they're investigating it. This has had to be something that Freiburg have had to do themselves. So on that very point, it makes you think that yeah. if Freiburg are the ones who have had to start it, it feels like unlikely that yeah. it will end in a points deduction yeah. for me. But yeah. it could be wrong. No, I think it won't be a deduction, but it's just the, the case. I think the result could be overturned or something like that. Like, but yeah, yeah, I, I think yeah, but that could also just a point on that. It could also be like the German bureaucracy. I mean, Germany's famous for bureaucracy, you know, and it could be a case that like that's the only way that it could be looked into if the club actually files a formal complaint. So I'm not sure that we can read too much into that, but yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if, um, yeah, they do find a small excuse for buying here and let them get away with it. But for me, based on consistency, yeah, I, I think something has to be done. I really do. Because if Wolfsburg were penalised so heavily for it as well, you know, because I think we all know that if Wolfsburg had replayed that tie against basically an amateur side, you know, they would have won it probably, basically. But the sheer fact that they had like 12 men on the pitch for a period led to them being not only like the result overturned, but then being expelled from the cup. So, I mean, that has to be uh, taken into account as well for me. Yeah, just popping up uh, one of the comments from, from the live chat now from, from Mark uh, Baker, and completely agree. But it is embarrassing for the league, really. Um, it's not a, not a good look um, from any kind of point of view. Uh, so... Whatever comes of it, it happens. But right now, it looks like Bayern have just got themselves a really big win, doesn't it? Um, and in terms of what happened on the pitch, they got Goretzka back. They're playing good football. Um, obviously, a bit of chat about Lewandowski, uh, but I'm sure we'll come to that in another show uh, right now because uh, he was subbed off quite early, I think, wasn't he, for Musiala? Yeah, he was, yeah. And so lot, lots of stirrings about that, but we'll maybe come to that in another show. Um, so, yeah, We'll not chatter on too much about that or the unfortunate moment that that we had in this particular game. So, on to the game of the weekend. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and what a game it was. You know, it was. This was like all of what uh, Daniel Tedesco's work has been going into is just kind of climaxed in this. Really, I mean, this was a brilliant, brilliant performance from a Leipzig side who, for me just showing just how bad Jesse Marsh was, to be honest with you. Because, I mean, this was clear to all Bundesliga fans and most football fans out there that Leipzig went into the season with a very, very good squad of footballers, that's for sure, you know. Uh, I'm talking like top 10 in Europe standard for me, really. And I think, um, yeah, this is a really, really good squad of players. And we saw that in this game. I mean, this was a beautiful away performance for me, you know. First point we have to make is, you know, the first sellout at Dortmund in two years and two months, incredibly, you know, 81,000 yeah. in the Signal Iduna Park. 
absolutely brilliant crowd you know we know about that yellow wall and it was you know absolutely brilliant to see it back but maybe those eighty-one thousand, well most of them apart from a small pocket of leipzig fans we should have stayed at home after all after the way the game went to be honest with you but actually obviously the big team news is that harland did start despite uh, not being tipped to start i mean dortmund obviously thought it was like a last chance of uh winning the league basically you know they knew they had to win it was the evening game after Bayern had already won so basically they knew that this was win or bust at all costs basically and obviously it came out as a bust unfortunately for the home side but yeah Haaland did have a few early chances actually and he showed that he's not been very sharp really of late as it is I know he's missed a lot of games but he just seems to be a bit lackluster to me at the minute and usually would have put that chance away for me but he didn't at nil nil but then it was actually a really really nice goal to open the scoring for the away side and it was um it was that man Nkunku again like who was the architect absolutely brilliant play for me yeah for probably the best player outside of Bayern in the Bundesliga at the moment, that's for sure, you know. Absolutely brilliant ball. And that man, for me, I think I said to you, Rory, for me, he's probably the most underrated player in the Bundesliga, yeah. uh, Lima. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, he loves that chip finish. He got one of those a few weeks ago. So I think it might even have been against Bayern, actually, he got one. And he chipped it beautifully over Colbo. A brilliant, almost Messi-style finish for me, that yeah. one, Yeah. Brilliantly done for one nil. He celebrates right in front of the yellow wall. He's absolutely loving it. Then, yeah, I mean, I would say after that for a little bit, it was probably all Dortmund again for a little bit, really, wasn't it? But, like, then again, a few minutes later, it's that man. This isn't quite such a pretty goal, really, is it? He kind of scuffs his shot. It cannons off the defender and wrong foots uh, Colbell in the net. But that's enough for 2-0. And, you know, at this point, you think it's a classic away performance. You know, probably Dortmund have had most of the possession and even the chances, really. But Leipzig have just shown that lightning quick play on the counter to end up 2-0 ahead in this game. Then, um, yeah, another few chances well for Dortmund just before half time too. And it, you were just thinking it's just not going to be their day at all, is it? Because he did have chances specifically in the first half. But obviously, ended up going in 2-0 behind, roaring. It didn't get much better in the second period either, did it? No, obviously, the home fans would have been really wanting a big response in the second half and, and only um, about 12, 13 minutes in, into the second half, we, we found out where the game would indeed be going. Um, you know, like Leipzig were able to break forward uh, well again at, at pace and they found some Kunku um, on the edge of the area. Uh, you know, the ball kind of exchanged um, a few phases of play and ended up at, at Lima's feet again. He's, he was inside the area. Uh, didn't look like he had any kind of way or path to goal. So he very smartly or cutely back heels it for the awaiting Nkunku to, to curl it um, away from Corbell into the far corner to make it 3 0 uh, and effectively to, to finish the game as a contest. Um, obviously, Dortmund were trying to appease their their home fans you know as you mentioned first time for in over two years that they had a full stadium or would have been absolutely buzzing for this big game but yeah it just, it just didn't happen did it um they try to like marco rosa you know he rung the changes he brought on like dahoud brandt uh geo rayner and Daniel marlin all within the space of like 10 minutes um the latter uh, Marlon obviously got himself a, a consolation goal. Uh, good play from Emre Chan, keeping um, 
a corner live after a kind of second phase bit of play, hooked the ball over his head and, and Marlon was able to head it down past Galacci and net for 3-1. You're just kind of thinking, oh, OK, well, there's still about six minutes plus added time. Maybe there's a chance for Dortmund to really just bomb forward and just and just go for it. Like They didn't have anything to lose, but two minutes later, they did lose it uh, properly as Nkunku, again, just kind of like tiptoed through a couple of really half-hearted tackles, like very wish-washy defending from Dortmund. He then laid it... Um, or teed it up to Danny Olmo and and he just showed his class whipping it like with with it with his instep of his foot with great pace and power which hit the bar and then went in past Kobo, not giving him a chance before one. Um silencing the yellow wall and you know, signal in Duna Park just went silent. Um and yeah, as you mentioned just at the start introducing that. Uh, game, Mark, I think, as you mentioned, it was kind of like the culmination of everything that Tedesco had been working towards. Um, and the last few shows that I've been saying that I fancy, you know, Leipzig's favourites for third place, I might have to upgrade that to second place. If they if they charge and Dortmund drop more games, then there's no reason why they couldn't nick it. Um, they are playing some seriously good football. Um, the interchanging play playing at pace. Andre Silva's now getting involved and Kunku, as you met, I think he's probably the best player in the Bundesliga at the moment, I think it's fair to say. Um, you know, the, the, their squad is jam-packed full of talent, as you said, and, and Tedesco's now getting a tune out of it. Um, if he stays and keeps progressing this team forwards, next season could be seriously interesting in terms of a title race. Um, as, you know, we're seeing a few bits and bobs of indecision and and you know a few whispers at, at Bayern about the futures of key players and things like that so if RB Leipzig can maybe even add to the squad during the summer which is not impossible of course then it could be a, a really interesting season next season in terms of the title race um because they're playing all sorts of good football I, me and me and Runa very much predictably uh well predicted this would be the outcome of the game uh you know a form team in Leipzig taking on Dortmund who had done well in points but performances are pretty much flattered to deceive and Haaland as you mentioned doesn't doesn't really look there does he um which is a real shame uh, if that is going to be the end of Haaland in a Dortmund shirt come the end of this season um but who knows he might re-energize sooner and drag Dortmund and, and push them to finish second but Without giving away the talking point, it'll be what we're discussing in a little moment. Yeah, I can't agree with you more on Leipzig. I mean, you've got to remember this is a club that lost probably the best manager they've had in the obviously admittedly short history in summer to the biggest rivals as well for the title. And including all of the backstaff, obviously, in Julian Nagelsmann, they lost the best centre-half probably they've ever had of Pamecano. And they lost like the kind of uh, talisman from midfield, Sabitzer, you know. Mm -hmm. And yet they still end up with such a good squad. I mean, it's just incredible that... The, the you know the merry-go-round of quality players that they have at that club I'm not sure there's any club in Europe that can boast such a good like system really of bringing talent through you know it's just unbelievable it really is I mean some of the players they got as you say Nkunku Danny Olmo what a player he is as well really what a player Angelino has been back to his best since uh 
uh, Tedesco came in, you know, after being pretty poor in the first half of the season. Even the likes of Simakan, I think he's had a really good uh, opening yeah. season in the Bundesliga as well. He could get even better as well. He could, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. I just think there's just no end of quality to the and the way the clubs run. They finally got a good replacement to Julian Nagelsmann now in Tedesco. Obviously, a manager who guided Schalke to second a few years ago before being. Probably Schalke regret the day they sacked him after a poor start to his second season, I would imagine. That's for sure, because, I mean, they would take him with a in a second now, I would imagine. That's for sure. Yep. Excellent manager, gets them fired up, you know, and he does like to play that attacking football that Leipzig are famous for, that Jesse Marsh just couldn't get out of his, his troops at all, you know. But great times ahead for Leipzig. Obviously, you've got to remember, still in two cup competitions as well, and they have to, for me, they have to go out and win one of them as well to put down a statement. Even if it's just a DFB Pokal, it would still be a great, it'd be the first major silverware the club has ever won. Obviously, after losing in the final to Dortmund last year. And this also proves now that they're looking even better now for me than they did at the end of uh, Nagelsmann's reign. I would go that far because, obviously, uh, Dortmund beat them 4-1 in the cup final last year. And they, they paid them back by that scoreline yeah. there as well. So, you know, obviously, they got Uli Union Berlin in the cup. And then, obviously, Freiburg or Hamburg. I don't see any reason why they shouldn't be winning the cup. Maybe even the Europa League as well. I think they're that good at the moment. And the peaking just at the right time of the season, that's for sure. Okie doke. Well, that brings close to the featured for a segment of the show. So we will move on to our um, talking point of the week. Uh, So our Bundesliga boxes talking point of the week. And this week, the talking point indeed covers what on earth is kind of going on at Borussia Dortmund. Um, So we're kind of asking the question to ourselves, to everyone that's watching, um, have Borussia Dortmund gone backwards under Marco Rosa? Um, so, I mean, I'll kind of throw this over to you, Mark, a little bit. Um, obviously, Dortmund are currently second in, in the Bundesliga, uh, six points ahead of Leverkusen in third, but nine adrift of Bayern, providing Bayern keep the points that they gained this weekend. Um, as we kind of mentioned, they're flattered to deceive at times you know, relying on the brilliance of Haaland or Royce um, defensively, like they look an absolute shambles. Um, A lot of their signings of late have been pretty uninspiring. And yeah, and we'll kind of go forward with this as uh, as we kind of go along with it. But what do you reckon to how the season's gone first and foremost? Yeah, well, I think obviously a quick look at the table. Uh, just before when we were, said we were going to do this as a, the topic, I had a look at last season's table and got it up. Actually, last season was obviously far from a great season for Dortmund. Despite winning the Pokal, they did manage to obviously save the season really by winning the Pokal and just about scraping Champions League qualification as well. They, only, they finished third last season with 20 wins and 10 defeats, you know. A quick look at the table this season would you know because obviously with a few games to go they've won 18 games already that means if they win three of the last six they've already won more games than they did last season they've only lost seven so far so they still have to lose another three or four to lose the same number as last season but 
if you look at performance level, especially obviously Terzic at the end of last season was ab- he was like a train, wasn't he? The guy was like flying literally. He got them to the quarterfinal of the Champions League, where they were unlucky to lose to Man City. He got them to win the cup in flying style, battering Leipzig in the final. Then obviously finished. I think they finished with like eight wins in nine or something ridiculous like that in the league to relatively comfortably get Champions League qualification in the end when it looked unlikely. But yeah, I just think the problem with Rosa is it. I just what is his style of play? That's what I'm asking myself. You know, I mean, Dortmund have always been famous for this. You know, Gagan pressing this super high octane football. Obviously, since the uh, the Klopp days, really, and then that continued under Tuchel, even Favre and uh, Terzic to an extent as well. But for me, I've not seen that. They, they look more of a side that are just not really dominating games as much. They don't have that high-octane style of Gagan pressing that we, we used to see. And I think they're almost very reliant, really, on Bellingham and Haaland, who are the two best players, to bail them out pretty much week in, week out at times. You know, And I think when Haaland hasn't bailed them out, then they've generally not won a lot of games this season. And if they have won, they've been lucky, basically, You know, where teams have missed chances against them or they've maybe got a soft penalty in some games. You know, I mean, that can happen in football at any level, basically. But, yeah, it's a hard question. But if it, let's just say, have Bruce Dortmund gone backwards? I'm not sure they've gone backwards, but they've definitely not gone forwards. That would be my uh, my analysis on, on that topic, really. Fair enough. Then I suppose like, we posed the question, and um, we had it, obviously, we had it earlier. Um, I think it was from Gary, who said, you know, where, where do they go in the summer? And Mark, Mark Baker's added a few comments as well, saying, obviously, if Harlan does go, for around the rumoured kind of total that we've heard of about 75 million euros or pounds, um, which could get them, you know, two or three really good players. Um, So, so if we're looking at this mark from a kind of restructuring kind of idea, where do they go from this? So do do they A, keep Rosa and then B, how do they rebuild the squad? Do do they go straight in and, and try and put money back into the forward positions or do they kind of reprioritize look at the defense you know Cobal's a very solid start but then post from that and maybe Guerrero as a left back and Munier is an okay right back but there's a lot of gaps to fill in there really isn't there yeah, and as mad as it might sound, I don't think Dortmund's biggest problem is actually the fact that Haaland is pretty much likely to leave. I really, Dortmund have always had good strikers, okay? They've always had a good striker. Lewandowski, then obviously Aubameyang, then obviously Haaland. They've always had Dembele was in there in that time. I think they can easily find a good striker. Like Obviously, a lot of people are talking about Timo Werner as potentially being a replacement. I think he would come in and do a really good job as a replacement, should it come to that. Obviously, you'd still want to keep Haaland, but Dortmund have always scored goals. But the problem is, for me, the start is the midfield. You know, apart from Bellingham, for me, Axel Witzel, people kind of rave about him, but I I don't see him as that great anymore, to be honest. I I think he has been a good player, but he's like 32, 33 now. And I just don't see, he keeps getting shifted to centre-back all the time. And I just don't see him as that great anymore, really, you know. Obviously, and then the other problem is, is that too many of the wide players are disappointing time after time. I mean, Marias Wolf, is he really good enough to be starting for Dortmund? Not for me. No, I'm sorry. Even guys like Torgan Hazard, like he's not really set the world alight since he joined a few years ago, really, has he? Let's be honest.
So I think he looked average in that squad. And then obviously we've talked a lot about the defense. I mean, the defense is just absolutely woeful in so many ways. You know, I mean, every German loves Mats Hummels. You know, I understand that he's a World Cup winner. I understand that. You know, we'd also we English would also love any player that won a World Cup for us. You know, regardless of what he goes on to do. But I just don't think he's as good as what German pundits and fans seem to think. To be honest with you, I don't know if you agree with me on that, Rory. But he is their leader in that defense. But statistically, when he plays, they often get ripped apart at the back. That's the truth. And actually, when Pograncic played, who was brought in as like a makeshift centre half, they actually looked better defensively than they've ever done when Hummels was in there for me this season. Would you agree with that, Rory, or am I stretching a little bit there? Uh, no, I think it's fair to say that we've we've commented on Hummels plenty about how he's been exposed a lot of the time, but I think that very word there kind of sums it up. He has been exposed. Like Hummels is not a quick defender, and if he plays in a either in a kind of a back three that they've done recently or even a back four, if they are doing this you know, Gagan pressing or because Marco Rosa's ideals are built on also pressing, but mm. it has when it comes through, they attack high, but they lose possession a lot in midfield. And then mm. they are often faced with three on threes, four on twos, all that sort of thing where mm. Hummels hasn't got the pace to get back mm. and they get exposed round the back and they often yeah. concede goals like that. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, there's no mm. quick fix to them. They do need to sort out their defence ASAP for me. Um, and then kind of build from there, really. Um, interesting kind of idea or question from, from Mark Baker again, saying, if not Rosa, then who? Um, a very good question. Um, for me, I honestly couldn't say that now. I wouldn't say that Dortmund are probably considering getting rid of him just yet. It depends on, the, on, on how things finish at the end of the season. Like they're pretty much guaranteed Champions League football. Um, despite the fact that they have been fairly average, but obviously they've got room to build and they will have money to invest once if Haaland goes. So it is very interesting to see where Dortmund kind of approach things from, from the summer onwards. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's one of those, Dortmund are one of those teams that always bring kind of attraction to them because they are a popular team outside of Germany um they play really attractive football and they're always the team that need to catch Bayern um so there's always that pressure on them um so yeah Marco Rosa has a lot of work to do I'm sure he'll get back in the summer and they need to make a few more smart signings and investments once Harlan goes um just to kind of almost finish on that point uh or a few comments that have also come in um first of all from from Alan Michaels I hope you're doing well uh Alan asking um first of all um like would we be doing some more kind of bits on on two or spite Bundesliga as it so happens we're we're back in co contact with them and we're looking to be doing a show uh in the next couple of weeks actually so we'll be doing some Spider content very soon and kind of looking at the promotion race uh, and certainly um, some, you know, thoughts on St. Pauli. What do you reckon, Mark? St. Pauli going to get get the nod? Do you reckon they'll go up? Well, yeah, well, they seem to have got themselves back on the, you know, straight and narrow again after a bit of a bad run of form, which coincided with a good run in the cup, actually, ironically. But yeah, yeah I do. I think they, they can get up, definitely. You know, I think four wins out of the last six games or so would probably see them up given how, like, unpredictable these fighter is, you know. And I think, yeah, 
it'd be interesting to see them in there, you know, probably not for Hamburg fans. They'd be a little bit gutted. Obviously, it looks like they're going to be spending a fifth straight league year in the second league this year. So, yeah, obviously, City rival San Pauli, you know, it'd be obviously a bit of a cult club as well, known especially for people, you know, like on the left side of the political spectrum. Yeah, it'd be quite interesting to see, like, but apparently I've never actually seen them live, but I've heard that the fans are electric. So I think they will bring, like, they will be a good addition to the Bundesliga, really. Very good. And to answer your question, or the second comment of yours, Alan, um, yes, we've actually filmed uh, one uh, new video on a Derby day, which will be dropping pretty soon. Uh, and we've got plans to record a good few more uh, this week uh, or in the coming weeks. So don't worry, they are going to come. Uh, we're planning on doing as many as we can so that we can kind of filter them out throughout the summer uh, so that we've got plenty of things to watch or for, for you guys to watch during uh, the summer months when uh, the Bundesliga is off. Um, so obviously do not fear, we shall we shall be doing plenty of those. Um, so I thank you everyone for your comments um, this evening. It's been really good to kind of have a bit more interaction, especially after the international break, really kind of soaking it all up um and there's a lot more to kind of get through uh keep your eyes peeled for for more shows that are going to be dropping uh as we kind of look towards the end of the season we'll be trying to do as many collabs as we can like i said the spider kind of bundesliga collab show we'll be doing and, and we'll be having loads of end of season things as well so mark i think we've gone through all the comments that we can do so over to you to close up tonight's show yeah, absolutely. Thanks again for a lot of good comments as well, Bundesliga-related comments tonight. So, yeah, if you enjoyed what you saw on the show today, then check out at Over the Bar FB and at Over the Bar Extra on Twitter. Also, check out our main site, which is otvfootball.net, so you can see just about everything football-related on there. Remember, it's very important to check out the League One and League Two show as well, which you can see on Wednesdays and Thursdays most weeks. But check out if you subscribe, then you'll be able to put a reminder on for them as well. And yeah, obviously, as Rory said at the start of the show, then like, comment, and subscribe. And also, just because we want to interact with our fans as well, you know, we're big uh, Bundesliga fans and very passionate about that level of football. So it'd be great to uh, interact with some of you guys as well. So, yeah, hope you enjoyed the show today and we'll see you again on Thursday for the predictions and fancy football. See you then, guys.